Hey, this is John Legadakis of johnlegadakis.com and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of an interview I do each week with other internet marketers, personal development and business leaders where we talk about how we can better promote our products and services online, get more traffic and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Hello and welcome to the podcast, everyone. It's great to have you here. Today, I have a very special guest with me. I have with us Kurt Mortensen. Welcome to the podcast, Kurt. John, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, let me tell you a bit about Kurt Mortensen. He is an international authority on charisma, human nature, and influence. Kurt has spent over 20 years researching persuasion and motivational psychology and teaches on the university level. Kurt is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. His books have translated into 28 languages and have been endorsed by industry leaders such as Stephen Covey, Brian Tracy, and Larry King. Mortensen teaches that professional success, personal relationships, and leadership potential depend on the ability to persuade, influence, and motivate others. The key is to get others to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it, uh, which is, uh, I, I'm sure it covers not, and this is not just for business people, I'm sure, you know, this is, as I mentioned, for personal relationships, pretty much everything that we do, this this skill is so, so very important. But before we go into the book and talk a bit about Maximum Influence and what it teaches and, and your other books, uh, just to give us a bit of understanding about you personally what were you like as a kid what was life like growing up for you where are you from Kurt let's see I grew up in California so that was always nice beach is nice I enjoy great weather so I always enjoyed the the outdoors and um, what, what I call lake therapy which is wakeboarding water skiing behind a boat that's always fun times for us so, and you come from a big family, do you, or do you have a lot of brothers and sisters? Uh, family of four. There's, I had uh, two other brothers and a sister, so there's four of us. So I guess it's a little bit of bigger than average for the United States. And your parents, what type of influence were they like for you? What did they do, your parents, when you were growing they up? They were both uh, school teachers. So they had an influence on a daily basis, and that's one thing that I've learned. doesn't matter if you're a parent, teacher, leader, manager, we all have to influence for a living. Kurt, what got you passionate about or what, why did you decide to focus on persuasion and influence skills? What piqued your interest in that? Was it because you, you had to learn that because of a business you're trying to make a success or was it through working in the corporate world or was it something else? I'd say all the above. I, I was... Actually, I was kind of mad because I spent all this money on a college degree, a business degree, got a graduate degree in business and get thrust in the workplace and realize that a lot of things you learn on that t- at that level, I mean, it was nice and it was interesting. It was good theory. Didn't prepare you for the world, whether as an entrepreneur or in a business, because the people skills, the emotional intelligence, you're dealing with deception, uh, dealing with getting people to do what you want them to do and like doing it. And so I kind of went after and I studied influence for myself to try to figure it out because after the stint in the corporate world, I became very entrepreneurial and realized that there was a direct correlation between my income and my ability to influence. It didn't matter how good my idea was or my product was, if I couldn't convince or influence others to, to work with me, it didn't matter. 
And then I started to learn some things that were, I guess, were kind of offensive. There, when you get into like sales skills, for example, as they say, learn closing skills. And I realized real fast that <laughs> that um, that using closing skills is like trying to get a kiss after a bad date. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if, if people don't like you and don't trust you, it doesn't matter what you say or what you do. And so it was a combination of old, outdated tactics that didn't work. It was a combination of being mad and, and that I needed them for myself. And then that's where I started my journey to really master, okay, what's working? How do you get people to want to be influenced? Because deep down, people want to be influenced. They want someone that's an expert to tell them what to do to help make the best decision for them. But a lot of times when we do it the wrong way, all we get is resistance and no's or, or lies, and that just makes the process very difficult. Yeah, yeah. And and as you're explaining there, Kurt, a thought that came to my mind was a book that I've read a, f- a couple of times and I love it. It's How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And I remember one of the stories he told was a, a man that was doing so well with business and he had... The, the biggest skill that he had that got him to where he was was his networking ability and his personal relationships. And, and in particular, he remembered people's names. Mm-hmm. So whenever he met someone, even briefly, he always remembered their name and he would address them by name and, and maybe he would correspond with them by the phone call letter, mention their name. And just from that one particular skill... He was able to have uh, so, so many opportunities, and it got me thinking because I know how you're you're talking about outdated sales techniques like closing skills, and but but it is that personal relationship that we can develop with people that has such a big big influence. Was there any particular books, Kurt, that helped you in your journey that you found helpful when it comes to persuasion and max and influence? Uh, I read them all. <laughs> mm-hmm. I read them all to, to find out those ingredients. I mean, the book How to Win Friends and Influence People is a great book. The book, of course, Think and Grow Rich, which is more self-persuasion, but mindset and personal development, which I know you're a big fan of. There mm-hmm. are other great books from Brian Tracy. There's some great books on professors from Harvard on how customers think. And so I really took a deep dive in all of it because I wanted all the tools. And this is what I found out with my research is that most people, especially when dealing with entrepreneurs is they only have four to five influence techniques. And I've identified over a hundred. You know, as Abraham Maslow said, if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, you treat everyone like a nail. And so my <laughs> goal is, okay, let's get more tools. Let's let's understand how this works because the default setting of most people is they tend to influence how they like to be influenced, which is wrong. <laughs> you need to learn to influence people how they want to be influenced, number one. And number two is, you need to help them persuade themselves because the moment they sense you're going to try to persuade them to do something, even though they need it, want it, like it, and can afford it, they're going to resist you. So if you can persuade them how they want to be persuaded and help them persuade themselves, life and influence becomes much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and in your book, Maximum Influence, you mentioned that there's, there's 12 universal laws of the power of persuasion. And, and so when you talk about know all the tools, is that what you're referring to? Knowing these yeah. 12 laws? Knowing the different tools, adapting to different personalities, into mm-hmm. the situation, whether you're writing a copy for the internet, whether you're talking to someone one-on-one, these techniques resonate and you're doing it the right way. Most people just do it the same way over and over again, 
versus really adapting to their audience. Can you give our listeners some examples of some of these techniques and uh, some maybe some practical examples or or how they can be used? Well, you bet. I know that we're talking to a lot of internet marketers out there and one thing that resonated with me as I as I did the research here is how important word choice was, especially over the internet, because every word we use will attract or repel people, but a lot of times we don't really dig deep and, and figure out what words we should and should not use. And it's compelling to see that one, changing one word can change response rate by 20%. I mean, if you look at the airline industry, for example, pilots get trained on what words they can and cannot use. I mean, even on how they inflect their voice. I mean, if you listen to the video presentation when you get on the plane, it says something like, in the event of a water landing. <laughs> okay, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's not when the plane hits the water and the wings rip off, or even worse, in case of cabin depressurization, right? And everyone knows that means you're at 35,000 feet and there's a hole in the plane sucking everyone out, but they don't say that. It doesn't say <laughs> barf bag. It says for motion discomfort. They don't have bathrooms. They have lavatories. They don't clean a plane. They refresh it. plane's never late. It's delayed. I've flown millions of miles around the world, and not once has an airline lost my luggage because it's been misplaced. <laughs> and I guarantee you, you'll never hear a pilot say, ladies and gentlemen, the plane is broke, right? <laughs> they can't. It's mechanical difficulties. And what people need to realize is that watch the words, whether it's over the phone and an email, writing sales copy. We don't use if. We use when, right? We don't try. We use guarantee. Even the word can outpulls the word could. And even on online, they found that the word uh, repair, or fix, outpull the re word repair, which in our mind, well, those are the same, but every word we use can attract or repel people, and there's a long list of words we should not be using that's, that don't affect us, but they affect other people, because here's the challenge, is that you use the words every, every day, all day long, and it doesn't phase you, but when you start talking to new people that aren't familiar with those words, or don't hear those words all the time, they have the tendency to repel them, and we don't even know it. Mm. And so how would someone be able to track that kind of, you know, if they're looking at, okay, for example, their sales copy on their website sales letter, how can they know which things that they need to change? Is there a way for someone? Oh, sure. You know, yeah. That's a great question. I mean, we could do A-B tests. I mean, that's one, especially with titles and testing different word choice. Having somebody not in the industry taking a look at it and mm -hmm. reading it. I mean, we know simple things that using the word contract for lawyers, that's, they use it all day long. It doesn't phase them, but to most people, it freaks them out. We've got to use paperwork. We, and I know one of the first things I do with large companies when I consult with them is they, someone looks at their, their website and they call up and say, you know, I'm interested in this product. They say, oh, good. Oh, hold on. Let me transfer you to sales, which <laughs> triggers resistance and they don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Right? And so, there are certain words that we need to take a look at. And so if you can get somebody from the outside, maybe of that demographic that doesn't have your training, that can take a look at it, uh, that's very helpful. Remembering that simple words are always more persuasive than complex words. And just getting used to using those words that you can and cannot use because you're into it too deep, especially if, it, if that's your profession and you're writing copy to get other people to do business with you, you be very, very careful with the words you use. You're crafting it. Again, it doesn't phase you. You use it all the time. Mm -hmm. But to other people, it's like, whoa. And they don't even know it. Because here's the mind-blowing thing out of all these years of research that I found out and I, I talk about in Maximum Influence is that up to 95% of influence involves a subconscious trigger. 
Yes. Which is a feeling. I like them. I don't like them. I trust them. I don't trust them. And a word choice could do that. Now, it could be a color, a smell. It could be a graphic or a symbol. It could be how close you stand to somebody. It could be a variety of things. But words is one of those things that triggers a response. They don't think, oh, they use the word contract. I don't trust them. <laughs> that doesn't even hit their logical mind. It's just a feeling. Uh, it's not right for me, and they move on, which mm, is a yes. we got to be very careful of. Yeah. How does that relate to – because I know one of the things you talk about is the law of connectivity. And so does is that what you're talking about here? Yeah, that's part of it. I mean think about it. When you meet a stranger for the first time, it's a matter of seconds if you decide if you like them or trust them, mm-hmm. which I mentioned. It could be a, a gesture, a smell, a color. It could be facial hair decreases instant connectivity, right? I mean we're not talking right or wrong. We're just talking about whether it's reality. And connectivity is that when people like you, life is much easier. In fact, let me add something to that. When people like you and trust you, you have an 88% chance of influence. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. Now, here's the challenge with connectivity is that most people think, oh, yeah, I read How to Influence and Influence People. I'm a people person. I'm thinking, well, are you? Because you know that annoying person that nobody likes and that person that rubs you the wrong way or the person that thinks they're funny but they're not? Mm-hmm. Well, that could be you, <laughs> right? I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You don't know. They don't come out and say, yeah, I didn't like you. Yeah, That's the, one of the, the only people things. that tell you the truth are your, your young kids. Exactly, young That's kids, all. and that's about it. No one's arrived in their people skills and their ability to build rapport. Yeah, it's easy to get along with people like you. Anybody can do that. But if you look at the different personalities and different styles, that's what makes the difference in your ability to influence and to adapt and get them to like you. Because, yeah, in fact, I was talking to a CEO of a multi-billion dollar corporation. I said, well, look, you had – Two salespeople and the and they similar product and similar price. Why did you go with company B? And he put his hand to his chin. He said, You know what? I, I liked them better. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to a lot of times. We liked them better. And people assume, oh yeah, they like me. I'm a likable person. I'm gonna say, Well, are you? <laughs> are you? It's something that we could all adapt and work on. Mm. Kurt, what is the law of involvement? Well, if they're not reading your sales copy if they're not going to your web page, if they're not listening, if they don't care, if they're indifferent. You can't persuade them, right? And so the more you get them engaged mentally, physically, emotionally, the more you get them involved, the easier they are to persuade. But again, if they're not listening, if they don't care, if they're not reading, it doesn't matter. And there's certain things that we can do, whether it be uh, as internet marketers or doing a presentation that keeps people's attention more that's the difference. But the moment they tune out, you've lost your ability to influence them. Now, with the other laws that you talk about, what do you feel are some of the most important areas we need to look at if we want to see uh, to, to improve power of persuasion? Mm, that's a great question. I love them all. They're like my kids, right? <laughs> as far as they are, verbal packaging is critical. I mean, connectivity, involvement, you mentioned some great ones there. Dissonance is your ability to create more pain in your prospects, that's a great law. The, and I can't read it enough enough that the law of what I call an association that people don't realize how their surroundings affect them. For example, I mentioned smell. When people are near the, around Cinnabon or the cinnamon rolls, when they smell that, they're more likely to donate to charities. We know that certain colors are more persuasive than other colors. We know that certain symbols, having a credit card symbol on your website, increases sales, that these external factors, that 95% 
that we don't think about, the colors, the smells, the symbols, even music. It's interesting that a music in a supermarket is slow because people shop 18% longer. Music at McDonald's is faster because they've got your money, they need the table, and it, and it affects how we feel, and we don't even think about it because it's all on a subconscious level. Yeah, I read that myself about the importance of these things. And one thing, like for internet marketers, for example, color can have a big difference. Just just in a, in a headline, I remember one particular internet marketer saying that on the order page, they changed the headline on the order page, the color from red to blue or blue to red. I can't remember which, which one it was. But sales increased just from that one change by 25%. And that's massive. Well, that one little change would bring in that much revenue is quite astounding, actually. So these things can have a massive... So, yeah, the things we're talking about, they're not just little... Uh, uh, they're just not some good ideas that will maybe have a little bit of impact. But we're talking massive impact. Massive impact. And people don't realize it because they... You know, if it's a headline, they, they're working with it all day long. The red or blue doesn't phase them. It could, you know... The way somebody, an accountant works at red is different than a doctor, then it's different than the average person, right? Even when you're, you're meeting someone the first time, we've noticed that blues and darker colors tend to be more credible. It's just things we don't think about sometimes where, well, they should like me and trust me, but, what, but do they? For example, trust is a huge issue too. Even though you're a good, trustworthy person doesn't mean people trust you. I mean, trust is an all-time low. That's something that you have to earn. And people don't think about it. Well, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm a trustworthy person. But no, well, that's good. And I, we appreciate that. But 20 years ago, it was I trust you, give me a reason not to. Now it's I don't trust you, give me a reason to trust you because your prospects mm -hmm. are very skeptical. Yeah. And that, that's something very important, isn't it? That we, we know who we are. I know who I am. I know how good my products are. But if you, we're not able to convey that, to people that don't know us, yeah, it's not like the innocent until proven guilty. Well, that's a point out because I know everyone out there has lost business to an inferior company or lost a promotion to someone they didn't think that was that sharp, right? What do they have that you didn't have? Well, it's going to come back to people skills, ability to influence. And that's why I'm so passionate about this because, and this is a pretty strong statement, but I feel that all your listeners have a moral and ethical obligation to persuade and influence people to do business with them. Because if they don't, somebody with an inferior product that doesn't, that's not going to serve them as much as you're going to serve them or help them as much as you're going to help them is going to get their money, and that person's not going to be happy. So if you really believe in your product or service, you've got to sharpen these skills up and influence people because someone's going to influence them, and it might as well be you. Yes. Uh, I hope I don't put you on the spot here, Kurt. Can you give us any examples of any individuals or businesses that you're able to work with and help them apply some of these principles we've been talking about and the changes it's had for them. Oh, you bet. Uh, well, not necessarily name names. I was working with a high-tech telecom VoIP-type service, and uh, they wanted to increase sales. It's a very competitive market, and it's a market that people think, well, a VoIP phone is a VoIP phone, and that's very far from the truth. And so one of the first things we did is – we changed the wording when people called in. They were no longer transferred to sales. They were transferred to a consultant. Mm -hmm. And that had a 4% bump just doing that. And, it, and that's for two reasons. One, it reduces resistance for the person calling in. But it also empowers the salesperson to be a consultant. They felt different about themselves. I mean, we can talk about mindset and self-persuasion. That was the first thing we could do. The second thing is uh, 
teaching them to uh, shut up <laughs> is a big thing because people are talking three times too much is what the research is showing. They want to vomit on people. Here are the 14 reasons. And when you do that, you give them two or three reasons to think about it or not do it at all. And so there's only two or three things that they're interested in. So we taught them just to become better listeners, mm-hmm. which had a huge impact, and to be more of a consultant instead of a salesperson. And that's an interesting shift in the world of persuasion is that introverts are now more persuasive than extroverts because extroverts are salesy, introverts are more like consultants, right? And the other thing was another simple thing, and I go down a long list, but here's one that all your listeners can employ, is, and it works with trust, is a lot of times, and this is true for everybody, you hear the same objections and questions over and over again, right? That's our business, and we solve them. And what human nature what we do as part of our human nature is we, oh, here's the question, here's the objection, I have a great answer, and we interrupt the person, and we cross the line from confidence to arrogance. It's the first time they've asked that objection or question. You just cut them off. You have a great mm-hmm. answer. You think it's good time management. Because, because you've really heard it so many times. You've heard exactly. it so many times, so you, you want to jump in, but for them, it, this is the first time experience. This is the first time they've maybe talked about it. It is probably the first time. That's why you just have to listen. It's not good time management. You have to listen, let them finish. Compliment them on the question or objection. You want to keep that door open. Objections are a great thing, but if you treat them the wrong way or if you cut people off, those simple things we don't think about sometimes uh, goes a long way. And the last thing I did is I actually had people listen to the recordings of themselves because (laughs) what people think they're doing right or wrong is actually very, very, very different than what they're actually doing. Yeah, that's uh, actually one of the things I've enjoyed doing a podcast is actually editing my own podcast and listening to myself. And this, uh, that's definitely helped me improve. I'm, I'm by no means a conversational expert, but I'll definitely be able to improve the way I communicate with people just by listening to myself. And that's a great thing because now, you know, audio doesn't lie, a video doesn't lie. And I know it's rough to listen to yourself for the first time or watch a video, but if you truly want to improve, you watch a video of your presentation, listen to an audio of a phone call, it makes a huge difference because, again, you're not hearing your vocal fillers, you're not hearing your rate, you're not hearing your inflections, you're not hearing all your interruptions because your brain's not wired for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can see how, with that example you just gave us, how that would have had a huge impact for that business. Just those simple things. that they, and, it's, and the great thing about it too, what you've been mentioning, these, these changes that we'll be able to, to make, is their instant changes. They don't have to rebrand themselves. It's just little things they can do immediately, implement, but have a massive impact. And that's the key. Every tool you can implement, every little change you can make, and we're not asking you to make them all in one day because that will cause you to melt down, but just one change a week, a little tool here, learn this, adjust this, it makes a big difference in your ability to influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Look, I so much appreciate you sharing this knowledge with us, Kurt. I'm, I, it's something. It's a topic I love. I've read a lot of books, personal development books, and and you're so right. What you said at the beginning about the importance of us being able to have persuasion, great persuasion and influence, and obviously to use it for good. We use. We want to encourage people to use these strategies that we're talking about to do good only because uh, they're very powerful. Is there any final thoughts you had for our listeners, Kurt? Well, 
first of all is there's two ways to double your income, especially in, in sales or as an entrepreneur is you can work twice as hard, <laughs> which I don't think anybody wants to make twice as many dials, do twice as many as much marketing, or you double your influence skills. I mean, it can be that simple. And that's what I'm so passionate about is we should have learned this a long time ago. We should have learned this in school. And so just take a look at some of the skills that you have and what you need to fine-tune, what you need to do. Maybe ask other people because there's a, a term called the, the Wobegon effect, which is really interesting, that we have the self-perception bias that we think we're doing better than we actually are. For example, 92% of all managers rate their managerial skills as above average. That's not even possible. 90% of all people rate their people skills as above average. And here's a fun one uh, from the United States is that 85% of high school seniors rate their driving skills as above average, which if you've ever seen a teenager drive, you know it's not true. So I'm just saying master these skills, but be open. What you think you're doing right or wrong or you think you've perfected may or may not be true and kind of get a feel for that and adjust those skills, get some more tools, and you'll see a big difference in your success and your income and the things you're able to accomplish. Yeah, great advice. Thank you for that, Kurt. And for anyone that'd like to learn more about what we've been talking about today, uh, Kurt has a couple of uh, excellent books that are available on Amazon, Persuasion IQ and Maximum Influence. Uh, two of them, he has more books. But also you can learn more about Kurt and get access to his books from his website, MaximumInfluence.com. So again, look, I really, really appreciate you being with us today, Kurt, and thank you for everything that you shared. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. As a way of saying thank you for being a loyal listener, I've got a very special gift for you. You can get immediate access to my online business coaching program for free. These step-by-step videos will show you how to set up your website, create an automated sales funnel, and also how to drive targeted traffic to your business for literally pennies per click. It's ready for you to access right now. Simply head on over to johnslikes.com forward slash podcast. This is John Lagadaka signing off. I'll see you all next time.